This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Well, good morning, River Church. Four years. Come on, y'all give it up. Four years. Man, I am so excited to be here with you guys today as we celebrate just all of the cool things that God has done in our church, through our church, and is planning on doing uh, in our church. Before I get started, though, I want to show you a quick video. Um, Natalie, if you know who Natalie is, she was the River Church's first ever missionary. She moved to Uganda to work with uh, kids, help start a, a organization to work with uh, children over in Uganda, and uh, she actually left on our anniversary weekend, or her last Sunday at the river was on our anniversary weekend last year. So it's been a full year, come full circle. And so she sent us a video uh, just wishing the river happy birthday. Let's go ahead and play that for us. We can see What's up, matter. River Church? Happy birthday. I hope today is the best celebration that we've had yet. I wish I could be there. I love and miss y'all so much. And I wish I could bring each of you to Africa so you could see life here and how it is. Um, but I wish I could be there with y'all to celebrate today. Hope it's great. Happy birthday, River. What's that's, up, River? That's pretty funny. Old Natalie, right? Hey, pretty cool. Happy anniversary. Happy birthday, River Church from the other side of the world. That's pretty neat, right? That's pretty cool. So, um, we have been kind of walking through the book of Mark. We just started this series, uh, through the book of Mark and, uh, based on a book by the same name, Jesus the King. And so, uh, as we've been going through it, God is, or Mark has been talking to us and revealing to us a lot about who Jesus is, his purpose on this earth through this, uh, through this series. And today we have a story that I want to share with you about the power of Jesus. Now, four years in at the River Church, we've seen some pretty cool things, some pretty cool ways that God has displayed his power in our church, haven't we? We've seen it as we've worshiped together. We've seen it as we've had salvations and baptisms. We've seen it in friendships that are being built. We've seen it in families coming and becoming united as one family, even families coming in looking for hope and finding hope in the things that God is doing here. We've seen God grow our church We've, we've sent Natalie, our first missionary, out to Uganda. Even this year, we're helping financially support a church plant in Alabama. And you know they need church in Alabama. Amen, right? Amen, right? Here at the school, we're getting to be a part of mentoring more kids than ever before. We're starting more community groups than we've ever had before. God's been good to us. In 2019, we've seen God be powerful And what I want to say is in 2020, I want to see him be even more powerful. Amen? I want to see him do even more. Amen? I want to see him display his power and glory in our church in ways he never has before. But if I'm going to talk about seeing God display his power, we kind of have to be careful what we're going to ask for, right? Because as a story we're going to see, sometimes when God displays his power, it's in circumstances we don't always love. And, and where we're going to pick up today, to this point in Mark, the disciples have seen Jesus do some pretty amazing things. They've heard him teach and preach, and they said, we've never heard anything like this before. They've seen him heal people and cast out demons. They've seen him go to a paralyzed man, tell him, get up, and the dude got up. They've seen Jesus do some amazing things, but they've never seen him do what we're going to see him do in this story today. We're going to pick it up in Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. It says, On that day when evening had come, 
He told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And the other boats were with them, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped, and he was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. So all this is going on, Jesus is sleeping. So they woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care? We're going to die. What's interesting about this, to understand some context, the Sea of Galilee is about 100 feet below sea level, and the cold air from the mountains will kind of whip over the mountains and clash into the warm air that's rising up uh, out of the Sea of Galilee, and it creates these incredible, incredible thunderstorms, right? But what's interesting here is that Jesus has these guys with them, and most of the disciples are fishermen. So most of them are used to these crazy storms. They're used to uh, um, these types of weather. And so the idea that they're waking up Jesus and they're terrified for their lives means that this must have been some kind of storm, right? It's one thing for a regular person, kind of like me, to see a little bit of rain and overreact, right? It's another thing for a seasoned fisherman who says, I've been here, I've experienced this, to go, this one's different. This one can take my life. A few months ago, speaking of Natalie in Uganda, uh, Joel Libermento, Tyson Slate, who's here with us today, and then myself, uh, we went over to Uganda to visit Natalie. And so as we were in Uganda, we, we landed in Kampala, and we had to take this little plane from Kampala to Arua to get to where she was. And when I say little plane, here's what I mean by little plane. Go ahead and show that, that picture. You see that? That's the pilot. That's the view from my seat. The pilot literally got on and went... You guys ready? Sit down. Nobody was like, you know, here's your exits. Here's what you like. Like, again, I was sitting behind the pilots. 19 people on that plane. <laughs> Not exactly felt the most safe. But anyways, as we're going up in the plane, this tiny little plane, I cannot stress, tiny little plane. As we're flying in this little plane, it began to rain a little bit. And I'm pretty brave, you know, I consider myself a brave person, but, you know, other people maybe not so much. And so as we're on the plane, uh, it started raining, it starts whipping us around a little bit in the air, and there's a little bit of turbulence, and then the craziest thing is water starts coming inside the plane. Yeah, you already know. So as the water's starting to come in this plane, come in this plane, I look over next to me, and here's Joel. Now, that's the face of a man who's trying to be brave, but is scared to death. And like I said, I was fine, but Joel was scared, you know, so I was trying to comfort him. And as we're there, there's these two ladies from Uganda sitting behind us, and it's so funny, this, the plane's going crazy and whatnot, and Joel looks back, and one lady's just kind of reading her book, going through her materials. The other lady's just sitting, looking out the window, and Joel turns around and goes, is it always this bad? And the lady, without looking up, goes, oh, it can get much worse. <laughs> Here's the thing is, oddly enough, that calmed us down. You know why? Because these ladies were seasoned Ugandans, and they're on this plane, and if they weren't worried, then we shouldn't be worried, right? The exact opposite effect is going on here because the disciples, like those ladies, had seen storms. They knew the difference between a storm that's just a little storm where these little Americans are being scared and a storm where, like, this one might take our life. So the disciples, they know that they're in trouble. They know they have a reason to be scared, and they wake up Jesus. And if you notice the context of the story is they wake him up because they think he doesn't care about what's going on around them. 
They wake him up and they're going, Jesus, don't you see what's happening? The water is coming in the boat. It's filling up the boat. And Jesus, we're about to die and you're sleeping. Do you, do you not even care what's happening to us? Some of us have felt that way before, haven't we? Lives are going crazy. Everything feels like it's crumbling around us. And we look at Jesus and we're going, Jesus, do you even care what's happening to me? What are you doing sleeping in the boat? Verse 39, it says, he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they are terrified and asked one another, who is this? Even the winds and the sea obeys him. Jesus wakes up and two things happen. At the, at the utterance of the word silence, everything stops. No spells, no incantations. He doesn't light incense, right? He doesn't pray to God. He just speaks. The winds and the waves obey him. And the, and the Bible says there was this great calm, which can be literally translated to a dead calm. Like just imagine crashing waves, crashing waves, crashing waves, and then nothing. At his voice. Like, I don't even have that power over my children, right? Like, silence, be still. And they just amp it up even more. Woo! Right? And at his words, everything stops. In the ancient world, you know, they believed that the oceans and the seas was this uncontrollable force that could only be controlled by the gods. Now, notice, again, Jesus doesn't pray a prayer. He doesn't speak an incantation. He doesn't light any incense. He doesn't try any tricks. He just, he just speaks. And in short, in this little Bible story, this, we see the absolute power Jesus has over nature. We see this incredible power that the creator has over his creation. Now, if you see this, you would think that this would calm the disciples down, right? Like they watch this and you go, oh, cool, okay, good. We're, Jesus, everything's good, right? No, you notice in those verses, it says they see what Jesus did and they were terrified. And before Jesus stopped the storm, they had reason to be terrified, don't they? The boat's filling with water. They think they're about to die. They think Jesus doesn't care. Jesus gets up. He calms the storm. And you notice as he calms the storm, he doesn't say, hey, guys, I'm, I'm so sorry, so sorry, I, don't, I, I was just sleeping, you know, in deep sleep. Sorry, guys. He, he doesn't. He says, he didn't apologize to him. He says, why are you afraid? And, and I, don't, I don't know if you're like me, but I read that and I go, well, duh, Jesus. <laughs> How disconnected are you? We thought we were going to die. We thought you didn't care. We thought you didn't love us enough to save us. We thought if you loved us, you wouldn't even let us go through something like this. And what's interesting here is that Jesus's question assumes that even in the storm, like just the way he states it, he's assuming that even in the, st the storm, the turmoil, the craziness, that even as they're walking through this, they have no reason to fear. Because he's saying, I'm with you. Why are you afraid? I'm with you. If you have notes with us, if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing on those notes is that in the storms, we see God is with us. The first thing he wants them to see is in the storm, God is with us. He's with our church. He's with our families. He's with the people that we love. Even if we think he's asleep, God is with us. 
I think this is important because sometimes in life we equate the storms of our lives with God abandoning us or Jesus not being with us. And so we think if I'm going through a storm, if I'm going through a tough season, if, if the winds and waves are crashing, that must mean that Jesus has left us. And, and what Jesus is saying to the disciples here this morning is, no, I didn't necessarily create the storm in your life. Sometimes I allow the storm in your life. But even no matter what the storm is, I'm here with you. And through the storms, you have no reason to be afraid because I'm here. Somebody should say amen on that one. When we first, I almost didn't tell you all this story because it's a little bit embarrassing about myself, but when we first started the river four years ago, I remember we had our first Sunday and we launched and everything was cool and great. And, 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 but the next few weeks felt like a storm to me. May not have been a storm, but it felt like a storm to me because I expected us to launch and then things are just going to blow up and it's going to be awesome. And there's going to be all these people coming and like, it's just going to be amazing. And, and it was like launch and then it was kind of like that. And, and it wasn't bad. I mean, the church was great. People loved the church. There's people like it was a great body of believers coming together, becoming a family, but I expected more, bigger, faster, quicker. You know, you know how we do, right? I expect more, 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 more. It wasn't like that. And so I, it felt like a storm to me. And, and there was days where I was like, man, the only people are here is they're only here because they have to be, right? Like I'm here. Why? Because I got to, somebody's got to lead the band, right? And so I expect this thing and it didn't start off like that. And so I was, I got down on myself and I remember just feeling days I felt like I, God must not be in this. God, I must be a failure here. God, God must have abandoned this. Maybe I misread God. Maybe I misunderstood God. Why? Because as we started, I felt like I was in somewhat of a storm because it wasn't going like I wanted it to go all the time. I equated the storm to me making a mistake and God maybe not being in this thing, even though I believed with all my heart he was, right? What's funny is as I look back four years later at that first year that was really hard, I see how much, in fact, God was with our church. I see how much, in fact, God was with me and my family, even when I was being a dum-dum. <laughs> ironically, now we don't always want to say this coming out of our, of our storms, but ironically, I needed that storm. I needed the struggle of that first year because God used it and he changed me and he shaped me and he, he focused me on what was most important in the church. And even now, like this couple weeks ago or last week, I was looking at making some decisions for our church going forward and I was talking to Katie about it and thank God for a good wife, right? And I was talking to her and I was like, I don't know, I'm stressed about this. I want to make sure that I make the right decision. And, and she kind of put her hand on my shoulder and she's like, Mike, you're not the same leader you were four years ago. God's changed you. God's grown you. God's matured you. And I don't know if that would be the case if everything had gone smoothly and great like I wanted it to go. Amen? Sometimes we need the storms. The storms shape us. God uses them to mold us. And so when we get in the storm, if we assume God has abandoned us, we may miss what he's trying to do for us in the storm. We look at our church now as we celebrate four years, praise God, our church is healthy. Our church is growing. Our church is, God is moving in our church. God is doing incredible things. And yeah, there's still going to be some storms, but maybe there'll be some good storms. <laughs> I read a book uh, last week or finished it up last week, and it's all about problems in life. How many of us love problems? Amen. No amens on that one. But what the author was saying is, you know, we think in life, if there can be no problems, then everything will be great. And what the author was saying is that you will never have zero problems in life. In life, you will always have problems. The point of life is having the problems you want to have. You know, what do you mean by that? 
Well, we, we look and we go, you know, I want to get married one day and I want to have a wife and kids one day. And so that's a good thing that happens. How many of you guys know that when you get married, there's going to be some problems? Problems why? Because you have two people trying to learn how to cohabitate together, learn each other, love each other, live with each other. And so some problems are going to arise, but it's a good problem. You think, oh, one day I want to get my dream job and you get your dream job and you know what's going to happen in your dream job? Problems. Because you're going to have to work hard. There's going to be late nights. There's going to be stress, but it's good problems. As our church is growing over these last few years, you know what we've had? Problems. There we go. Yeah, I knew you wanted to say it. Yeah, problems. We need things like bigger buildings, our own building one day, right? We need more leaders. That's a good problem, isn't it? We need more community groups. That's a good problem, isn't it? We need more ways to connect with each other. That's a good problem, isn't it? Problems, storms, but some good ones we can walk through, grow, and learn. And what we see when we walk through these storms together, when we walk through these problems together, we get to see something incredible just like the disciples got to see. You know what that is? We got to see, we get to see God display his power. How cool is that? As we walk through the storms or problems, as we face things as a church, and not even on the bad days, on the good days, as we walk through, what we get to see is God display his power. And in those ways, he shapes us and he saves us and he moves us. And as the disciples got to witness Jesus's amazing power, the storms crashing in, the waves coming in, the water filling up the boat, the rain coming down, they got to see Jesus get up and go, be still. And they got to see this incredible power. I hope and I pray that we get to see that in our church. Amen? That we get to see God move like that in our church. Now, there may have to be a storm, but let's pray that maybe we get to see it not always in the storm, right? But you notice when they saw this incredible display of power, I alluded to it earlier, the Bible says they were terrified. Now, why were they scared? Why do you think they were scared? Like, here's why. If they look at this storm, if they look at the power of nature and they realize I've got little control over that, I've got little control over nature, now they're sitting in a boat with a guy who has infinite power over even nature. And it scares them because they're sitting in a boat with this guy and they're going, who is this man? What have we gotten into? Have you ever seen unbridled power? Imagine and being in nature with a lion. Incredible power, incredible strength. The ocean. How about this one? Electricity. Yeah. Last week or this week, I had a breaker blow in my house and uh, I had to replace it. And so my dad was over at the house. And so my dad and I spent about two hours trying to replace one breaker. You know how long that should take? About five minutes. Took us two hours. You know why? Because we're both terrified of electricity. (laughs) You know why? Unbridled power. I touch one wrong thing, one wrong move, connect one thing to another one, then boom. And I'm electric, Mike and I'm gone. And the truth is, I really like being alive. (laughs) Unbridled, incredible power. It can be good, but it can also be terrifying. In the right hands, it's great, but in the wrong hands, it's devastating. The disciples look at the power of Jesus. They see this incredible power before them, and they're terrified of it. They're scared of it because they go, I don't, I don't know what this is, right? Right? Like, 
I mean, in reality, they had no reason to be afraid. But if we look at nature, right, they saw the power of nature and the nature is cruel. Nature can destroy you. Nature can tear you apart like hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis. Like, like last week in Texas or two weeks ago, right, we saw 70 degree weather, tornadoes and snow in a 24 hour period. <laughs> We've seen the craziness of weather, haven't we? It's unpredictable. Ironically, while all that was going on, Katie and I were eating sushi and then we went and saw Star Wars. Sometimes it's good to be oblivious to the dangers around you, right? Amen? Yeah. I mean, just take me, Jesus. I'd rather die watching Star Wars than in a bathtub, you know? So we see this power of nature. And they see this one who's so powerful that yet he controls nature from his mouth. And I think, should, shouldn't that terrify us? On some level, yes. But on another level, not at all. Say why. We look at the power, thank you, we look at the power of nature. And what we see in the power of nature is that nature doesn't love you. Nature doesn't care about your church, doesn't care about your family, it doesn't care about your well-being. But we have a God who does. And because of that, there are times where we see the incredible displays of his power moving on our behalf, moving on the behalf of our family, moving on the behalf of our church, moving on behalf of the people that we love. And that same God who created you in his image, like we heard earlier, says, I created you in my image. I breathe a soul into your lungs and you have value and you are loved because you are mine. Created in the image of the creator. He says, I value you. I love you. I cherish you. I care about your good. We were made to know him, to love with him, to walk with him like a close friend and yet bow before him as the creator of the universe. His power is unbound, unimaginable, absolutely incredible. And that would be terrifying if we didn't know this fact. So is his love for you. And because of that, as a church, we can trust him. That's two weeks in a row, man. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) You're good. I was giving him a hard time after church last week, so he did that to get back at me. Because of his unbridled love for us, we can trust him. And even sometimes in the storms that we don't understand, even in the crazy seasons of life, in the moments when we don't know the future or what God is doing, we trust that his love for us, his love for our church, his love for You means that we can believe and trust that he's acting in our best interest, even if we don't always understand it. Amen? And then sometimes when we see him act and move, we get to see displays of his incredible power. 
And there's these moments in our lives and these moments in our church when we see like the River Church, we've seen them over the last four years when we needed a location, we needed a building, and he provided it in incredible, miraculous ways. We've seen people sick get healed in miraculous ways. We see people who need to be provided for financially get provided for in miraculous ways. We've seen people come in our church who say, my marriage is broken, my marriage is struggling, we need help, come back together and be reunited in miraculous ways. We've seen family come back together. We've seen the incredible power of souls being saved saved. It's moments like this that we've been blessed to see as a church over the last four years. God displaying the the combination of his power and his love at once. One without the other is pretty amazing, but the two combined is incredible and magnificent and something to worship and our God. And in 2020, as I've talked about storms and power, I want to see it even more. I want him to move and act in our lives and in the life of our church even more. We know that God is with us. We've seen his power displayed. The last thing I want to talk to you about this morning is what we see in the storm. When we see these moments in our lives, in our church, what we see, what we find out is what exactly we put our faith in. If you look at there at verse 40, it says, after Jesus calms the storm, he looks at him and he says, why are you afraid? And then he says this other verse that's so convicting. Do you still have no faith? That's interesting, isn't it? Because what he's saying to the, to the disciples is after everything I've shown you, after every way I've worked in your life, all, after all the miracles that you've seen, do you still not believe I can save you? I, that I can heal? You, you, don't, you don't believe that I can change things, that I can calm the storm, that if you walk through the storm, as long as you're with me, that I can make everything be okay? He says, do you still not believe? And, and for the disciples, they've seen him heal lepers. They've seen him turn water into wine. They've seen him again tell a man who was crippled to get up, and the guy got up. That's amazing. Jesus says, you've seen me do all these things. You still don't believe that I can calm the storm? Here's what I would say as a side note. Maybe you're not walking through a literal storm today, but some of us walk in and we're thinking, he can't heal my marriage. He can't heal my finances. He can't heal what's broken deep inside me. And yet I want to say to you, over the last four years as a church, we have seen him do it. And I believe he can do it again. And I can believe he can do it in you and for you. We read this idea where he says, you still have no faith. And we think, ironically, it guilts us, doesn't it? How many of us feel guilty now? Pastor Mike just made me feel guilty. It guilts us because we think it's all about the strength and the power of my faith. But what's interesting is Jesus isn't saying you'll be saved by the power of your faith. What he's saying is, don't you have any faith? You go, what do you mean by that, Mike? Doesn't the power of my faith matter? In some ways, absolutely. But what matters even more than how much faith you have is the object of what you put your faith in. It's not always the strength of our faith. It's the object of our faith. Imagine this. Imagine you're falling off a cliff, okay? Everybody want to imagine that real quick? Imagine you're falling off a cliff, 
And as you're falling, you reach out and you're just looking for anything to grab, anything to hold on to, anything to, that can stop you. And as you reach out, there's this little branch and you think, if I can grab that branch, it'll save me. And so I don't know how much you believe in the branch. I don't know how much faith, like you're not like, with all my might, I believe this branch will save me, right? You're just looking for anything. And so you just stretch out your arm and you just try to grab it desperately and you grab it. Is it because you believe in that branch so much that it can save you? No, what saves you? The power and the strength of the branch. Now, if what you reach out for is a little twig, you know what happens? Sorry. But if it's a strong, powerful, mighty branch that you grab, that thing will save your life. What we needed was the faith to just reach out. And what Jesus is saying here is, don't you have some faith that I can save? What he's saying is it's not so much about how strong and powerful our faith is, but what we put our faith in. There's a lot of things in our lives that we put our faith in that let us down, isn't it? You know, as a kid, you're supposed to be able to trust and put your faith in your dad, right? Well, let me tell you a story about my dad and how he failed me. <laughs> not so much me, but my brother. I remember when we were kids, one day my dad picked up my brother. And you know how you play with your dad and you trust him like, things are going to be fun and great. We're going to wrestle a little bit. and It's all going to be okay. Well, my dad picked up my brother and for whatever reason, he was facing the garage and he picked him up. He goes, I'm going to throw you in the garage. Now, my brother believed he was not going to throw him in the garage, right? But he goes, one, two, and my brother's wrestling and fighting. And he goes, throw, no. And there goes my brother. Sometimes we put our faith in things that let us down. <laughs> and that day, my brother was let down literally. A lot of times in life, we put our faith in things that let us down. We think, if I, my job will save me, or my money will save me, or these self-help gurus will save me. And we list all these things that we put our faith in that we think will let us down. And what Jesus is saying to these disciples is, it matters what you put your faith in. Put your faith in me because I am the author and the finisher of your faith. I am what you can, I am strong enough to heal. I am strong enough to save. Put your faith in me. I'm strong enough. And as I process this whole story, and as I think about this whole story in regards to our church, what I think about is in 2020, what are we going to put our faith in as a church? Not just in the storms, because those are the times when it's easy to run to God, right? When the, the storms hit and we don't know what else to do, oftentimes that's when we go, I don't, don't know where else to go. I'm going to God. But what about with the dreams that God has placed in our church? What if the visions he's placed in the church, what about the things that he said, I want to accomplish through the River Church? As a church, I want to see in 2020 more people know God, don't you? I want to see more people get saved in our church in 2020. When we do baptisms here in a couple months, I want to see that tank run out of water because we've been dunking so many people. Amen? I want to put my faith in Jesus that he can do that in our church. I want to see people in our church come and find freedom from sin, from shame, from addiction. I want them to find freedom as they join community groups and find relationships that go deep and they find hope and life and families. Don't you? Don't you? I want to put my faith in Jesus that he's strong enough to do that in our church. 
I want people out to come in our church and find their purpose and find ways that God can work and move in their lives so that their lives can make a difference in this world for Jesus' name. Amen? Don't you? And as I think about that, not just in the storm, but in the everyday things that God is calling our church to, I want to put all of my faith in him that he can do that in our church in 2020. That God would grow us, transform us, challenge us. That God would be with us. And that not just in the storms, but in everyday life of the River Church, that God would display his power because he's with our church, I believe, because he's moving in our church, because of the ways he's already displayed his power in our church. And I want to be a church that says, we're going to put all our faith in that branch because not only can it save, but he can do amazing things in the River Church. And not just in the River Church, but in your life. Do you believe that? these last four years it has been an incredible privilege to walk through them with you God has been good to our church hasn't he? I love our church I love I love the people of our church I was thinking about you guys all week do you know that I was thinking about you and how much I love the people that are in our church like I look around the room and I see your faces and I'm just so excited that you're a part of this family and I love what God is building up in our church, the people, the community, even the, there's the new people that have come in the last few months, like, welcome to the family, man. You, you can't leave. You're just here. Sorry. We're going to find you and bring you back. We will. I love what God's doing and building up. And I know that this is a story about a storm, but I don't think it's just about the storm. I think it's about putting our faith in God, even outside of the storm, that he can do what he says that he will do that he will finish what he says he will finish, that he will grow what he says he will grow, that we will see people get saved in our church again and again and again. And we'll see people become disciples of Jesus again and again and again. And we'll see our community transformed because of what he wants to do through you in our church. And I'm excited about that. And so this story isn't just about a storm, but it's about going forward, what we're going to believe in, what we're going to put our faith in. It's been some amazing times so far. My hope is that it's not just four years, but we'll have many, many, many more years together being shaped by God, changed by God, challenged by God, growing together as a family by God. And not just in the storms, but in beautiful days like this where we get to celebrate and worship God together. And so my prayer, and I hope that you would join me in this prayer today, is that God would grow our church deep and wide. That he would heal, save souls, and that we would all get to do it together. That we would get to watch the, the display of God's power in this place together. I even hope that there's some people here today who are here your first time, second time, third time. I hope in 10 years you're still here and that this becomes your story as well as ours. Because God has made our church every good thing that it is. Every good thing that the River Church is has been made by God, created by God, done by God. And so we worship God for that today. 
And let us put our faith in him that he will continue to do it. Amen? So the band's going to come in a second. We're going to sing one last song. And we're going to worship God in this place. I want you to stand with me. Stand with me. I want you to do this for me. I know I said this isn't just a story of a storm, but I want to ask you to do something. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you come down. But I want to ask everyone in the room to close their eyes and bow their heads. Again, I'm not going to ask you to come down, but here's what I know is that the story of this storm is a reality for people in this room right now. And so even as we worship God and praise God for every good thing that he's done in our church over the last four years and what he's going to do, I know there's some of you in here that maybe you're walking through a storm and you're going, Mike, I needed that this morning. I needed to be reminded that God is with me. I needed to be reminded that that I can see the display of his power in my situation, that he's going to shape me through it. And I, I I need to be reminded that it's not so much always in what I can do and in my faith and how I do it, but in the thing that I put my faith in if that's you this morning, I just want to pray for you. And so I want to ask you this. Would you raise your hand this morning so I can know who I'm praying for? Keep them up. I'm going to pray and then we can put them down. God, I love you. Thank you for the brave people in here who've raised their hands. And even for the ones who are too afraid to raise their hands. (laughs) I pray that everyone in this room who needs you in this moment would find you, God. As we walk through the storms of life, as we walk through the difficult seasons of life, that yes, it's natural to be afraid, and yes, it's natural to be scared. And I know you don't blame any of us for those moments when we are, but God, I pray that we wouldn't just know that you're with us up in our heads, but we would know that you're with us in our hearts, Jesus. And I pray that everyone in this room who's raised their hand, who's walking through a storm, that they would know in this moment that you are with them, God that you see them, that you're not just sleeping in some boat, but you are with them. And as their heart breaks, your heart breaks for them as well, God. But that you're going to grow them and you're going to heal them, God, through this situation. That they would, I pray that they would see the display of your power in their situation. That they would look and they go, that was Jesus. And at the end of the day, as they come up the other side, that they would say, I, I can only trust him. I trust him, I trust him, I trust him. And that you would be strong enough, God, and powerful enough, Jesus. God, I thank you for what you've done at the River Church. We worship you for what you've done over these last four years in our church. And we worship you for what you're gonna do, God. We love you, it's in Christ's name we pray, amen.